everything. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Just checking my levels are all good. That we're both live on Spreaker and on YouTube as well. As remembered, I've got to do another million dollar thing. Anyway, we have just finished watching AW Full Gear. For me, it is 5am in the morning. For Jan, I don't actually know which... T I can't remember which time zone he lives in. I'm, I'm going to guess Eastern, even though it might not be Eastern. Either way, it's close to midnight for Jan as well. We have watched quite an interesting pay-per-view from AW. Their first of the TV era and the last of the... Again, last of 2019. That's the bloody year we're in. It's 5am. I'm going to be all over the place. <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> my alarm today... This is an immediate tangent. So, <laughs> My alarm today went off at 8am because I needed to get up that early to finish my column, which is up on Laws of Pain if you want to go read that about the wrestling, week of, uh, wrestling of this week. But yeah, so I've been up since 8 and it's now 5. <laughs> so during this show, I will fatigue. <laughs> it's going to be quite an interesting adventure for us all. But we have watched a very, very interesting show. It's fair to say, the mood coming in to doing this Aftershock is a little bit different. It's nice. It's a hell of a lot nicer than the last Aftershock I did, which was after Hell in a Cell. Like, just to <laughs> put that out there, the atmosphere is so much better. Even though it's, it's interesting, the atmosphere, it's still uh, a hell of a lot better. I much prefer being in this state than the depressed state I was after heading us out just questioning all my life choices <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> oh I can laugh about it now Jen <laughs> at the time oh, oh I was just questioning everything <laughs> it was so depressing anyway so well, uh, well when do you, when do you get to the level where I am where I just don't care about anything at WWE anymore so I don't really pay attention to any of those pay-per-views <laughs> see I made the really wise decision of covering <coughs> everything in the wrestling world. So that was a very, very wise decision. <laughs> Meaning that uh -huh. I have. Yeah, and now I have to pump out a column every single week where I have no say in the matter. I'm watching everything. <laughs> so uh, that was a a wise decision, in a way. Uh, and I can happily... I, have, I have no idea how you had time to watch everything out in the wrestling world. Oh, I don't, I'm really <clears throat> struggling with NXT. Like, even though I love it, I've just closed my notes. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Yeah, even though I love... Um, NXT I really struggle to fit it in like that is the one show which I'm always watching last if I'm even watching it at all so I'm already struggling and I've got a column forcing me to do it so uh, yeah right I can happily say my stalling has worked I've got everything finished the Lords of Pain site is updated that's all good we can finally talk about the show Oh, anyway, Jan, so quick, I guess, overall thoughts before we jump into, I guess, the biggest matches of the night, first off. What are your overall thoughts on Full Gear, if that is an easy answer? Um, My overall thoughts on Full Gear are that the opening match was great, uh, and then the last two matches on the show were great, and then everything else kind of just fell in the middle for me. Actually, well, no, I'm going to take that back. Page versus Pac was great, too. But, uh... I think I think like the middle of the show kind of um, sagged, honestly. Yeah, with um, it was evident with uh, Sean Spears versus Joe Janela because I kind of checked out as well. Uh, I will also say it was an interesting atmosphere for me because my brother came oh, I, home. I, 
I would never, ever check out on a Sean Spears match. <laughs> if you listen to uh, Kingdom of Honor Dynamite After Dark, you understand my laughter. <laughs> <For that one. laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, my, at about 1am, like right as the show was starting, my uh, brother came home after a night out drinking. <laughs> so he was around for like the first hour. So the first hour for me is a lot different than it was for every for most people who watch the show who like just didn't have distractions and things it's like I had a drunk person talking to me for the first hour <laughs> so was, I might have missed a lot of spots <laughs> but it was so for, yeah for me uh, I was checking out of the match but I did have somebody talking to me as well so I've got a, I've got an actual excuse <laughs> rather than just you know the excuse of slightly being bored uh, but yeah I do kind of agree it started off obviously hot with the young books then the pace slowed down. Well, Pack versus Hammer was a nice, solid match that kind of carried the momentum really well. Then we got uh, Sean Spears and Joe Dinella, which felt like that should have been the match on the pre-show. Like absolutely, honestly, honestly the match that uh, Britt Baker and B Priestley did, in terms of the flow of momentum of the match, I kind of feel like it would have been better placed here, especially because it was shorter. Like like the next kind of just like a kind of energy revamp after Pack versus Hangman, like. For me, it feels like it would have been perfect. Plus, you have plus, and you have two women's matches on the on the main show. Yeah, and it, people like that. <laughs> so, can't really complain there. Yeah, yeah, and the, and and, and, re, and this Priestley, you know, Britt Baker thing has been going on for three months. Yeah. Whereas, whereas the Sean Spears George Jano thing came out of nowhere on Dark. You know, so mm. I mean, it, it it always was weird to me that um, Priestley versus um, Britt was on the pre-show. I, I, I thought that was a really weird choice to start with. Especially as, yeah, that has been like the only story in the women's division that's actually been built. So it's, uh, like, yes, um, they were able to find a story with Sakura and Rio, which really, really worked, but you had to be on YouTube or Twitter because it wasn't on any of the television. So right. I can't really praise it that much. <laughs> so uh, I do kind of like that those things are definitely canon, like the YouTube and the Twitter and whatnot, social media things. With WWE, you're having to second guess what is and isn't canon, and you just discard everything. With AW, I feel like what I see, I can definitely relate to canon, but I do have to actually see it, which is <laughs> like my main gripe with that thing. I loved the match, don't get me wrong, I thought it was fantastic, but definitely sagged. Uh, I saw quite a few people disappointed in the AW World Tag Team Championship match. Personally, it was it hit all the notes I expected it to. And weirdly, it still felt like it was short. Like it's the same issue that it had with the tournament final on television. It felt like it was it had a few minutes short, and I was looking forward to seeing the match on pay per view where that shouldn't be an issue. But no, no it was an issue. <laughs> it's the same thing. Uh, it felt like they should have been just like five minutes more, just to hit a few more of those big moves and kickouts and whatnot, and like just to build build the momentum a little bit more before you hit that ending. Yeah. But no, they needed to do the Christopher Daniels attack. <laughs> so uh, I guess that's what the time was reserved for. A bit off. I've, I've already mentioned the Rio Emery Sakura match. Uh, the Chris Jericho Cody match, I feel like it had to change a bit after the accident. And we'll probably talk about the accident when we get to the match. But it was. Uh, it felt like it definitely changed the course of things. And I'm, I'm not sure if it made it worse or better. If it was one of those matches where the injury actually heightened the kind of the amount the crowd were behind Cody, or if it just like took away momentum, it took majors to get back. 
It could be both, to be fair, actually. I think it's both. It's both. Mm. Yeah, we'll get more into more detail. We'll probably talk about it. But I want to start with the unsanctioned lights out match. The reason the atmosphere is interesting <laughs> at the moment. Uh, we're we also live on YouTube and Speaker. Speaker's got like a speech ball you can click on to send us a message. YouTube's got live comments because it's YouTube. And I'm going to move Jan because I made the mistake on my last live show of not seeing the live comments because I had my notes up. So I'm slowly learning. <laughs> if you've got a chat, <laughs> make sure we can actually see the thing. <laughs> so, uh, slowly, slowly getting better. Uh, but yeah, so, Untitled Lights Out match. John Watsy versus Kenny Omega. Uh, Jan, what did you think of this? Um, I think it's up there for me in terms of match of the year. Um, coming in, I would you know coming into the into this show for sure. My match of the year this year is Cody versus Dustin from uh, Double or Nothing. Hmm. But this one I thought was just awesome. I mean, there was there was just so much stuff going on. Uh, things I was I was not expecting, like you know, and, and great callbacks too, like the like the glass table that Moxley had thrown Omega through at Double or Nothing came into play here as shards of glass. Um, we finally got a payoff on the barbed wire bat and the barbed wire broom. Um, the, you know, the, the V trigger through the, uh, like the spotlight, the glass um, AEW thing was just an amazing moment as was them both getting suplexed onto the, the uh, spider web made out of barbed wire. And then that just um, amazing, um, or I shouldn't say amazing, but, you know, the, with uh, Moxley tearing the, tearing the ring apart and, and, and all that stuff. And, and then that, and then that table full of mouse traps was just, my mouth was open when I saw that. I just, and my wife even was here. She's like, oh my God. Um, <laughs> it was just, uh, just so much happened in this match that it was just, um, and, you know, there there was such a build-up to it. I just thought it was great. Absolutely great. Like, um, one thing that sometimes can happen with this kind of match is it ends up becoming quite spotty, isn't it? It feels like you're moving from one thing to the next and maybe they've got something metal. Metal. Something mental. To be fair, there probably is stuff metal. <laughs> There's something mental to end on. Like, the last, ma- last main event match like this that I watched was... WrestleMania weekend, it was one of the GCW shows. The one with, it's Jimmy, can't remember his bloody name. <laughs> Jimmy something, McGovern, that uh, GCW have for like main event, these kind of matches. And it was like a crazy spot at the end, like, uh, I was going to say, I can't remember what it was. <laughs> but a spot, like, it was It was kind of like uh, the guy that edited John Moxley's video. Oh, what's his name? Ugh. Famous hardcore, no fam- the guy who edited uh, John Moxley's uh, video when he, with all the hounds chasing him that like, after he left WWE, he is a really famous hardcore wrestler. And there was a spot that he did where he took a weed whacker to the stomach. Ah, so, yeah. So um, when I say the the it was something like that. I can't remember what the weapon actually was. <laughs> so it was a garden tool of sorts. Um, so, but it was one of those matches where it seemed to like build and build and build and. It had that crazy spot at the end, and that's what it was building to. This match felt like it was still building story. It never fell into that trap of just becoming, 
we're going to go to the next crazy spot and whilst you're down recovering I'll build the next one and you put me through that like it never fell into that trap and that's a very dangerous kind of balance to be playing with this kind of match and they nailed it <laughs> like, like again for my um, I researched uh, it was uh, Anita versus Chono from ages ago where they did a death match at or no explosive barbed wire death match at the Tokyo Dome I had to research a lot of Anita Anita does a lot of explosive random <laughs> barbed wire stuff he's quite a violent man and yeah so I even felt like some of his matches fell into that or at least definitely other matches on the cards that he was on like there's a, the other matches would get the spots and they'd be violent and people would get that but Anita made you give a crap when he was doing it which is they gave a crap about him about his well-being about his opponent's well-being and that's that's the difference in the balancing act and Moxie does that and obviously Omega is a fantastic wrestler with telling a story inside a ring you put the two together and my Twitter feed because I was quite interested because I got quite a few like journalists or people my age who grew up who got into wrestling maybe just after the ECW boom so we were just after that violent period. WWE still doing blood stuff, but it was WWE blood. So it's not it's not really hardcore. It's extreme rules. It's not it's not ECW hardcore. So I was interested to see how they would take it, and they were comparing it to Randy Orton versus Mick Foley. And the reason, and I kind of understood the reason they were doing it because their example was the hardcore wrestler. And the wrestler wrestler, where that wrestler wrestler actually steps up and takes as much damage as the hardcore guy, where quite often it's the other way round. And I was like, actually, you know what? I do like that that reasoning for the comparison. Like, it probably ends there, <laughs> but I do like the reasoning behind it. So like, yeah, Kenny Omega stepped into Moxley's world and took as much as he dished out. It was, I think that was the thing that shocked me, like the mouse trap thing he brought up. As soon as that, as soon as that came out, it's the wrestling law that whatever weapon you bring to the table, you will get hit with or go through or whatever. And when he got out the mouse trap, I was like, "But surely Moxley's taking that one because <laughs> that's the crazy one." <laughs> keep, right? Yeah. Keep in mind, at that point, that's when I thought, "No, that's the crazy one." <laughs> Little did I know, soon to come was much, much worse. Uh, but yeah, like, right, 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 and then and then that happened, and then and mm. then Moxley grabbed the chain, and I so, so I was thinking, okay, for, so for sure, Moxley's going to get the chain first, but no, that didn't happen. Yeah, you know, the, the chain claimed to play for like five or six minutes before Omega finally was able to turn the tables on him and use the chain on Moxley. Mm. You know, <laughs> well, my favorite comment on that was somebody on Twitter just uh, bringing up the point that uh, Kenny Omega in the video package was joking like a standard wrestling match. What do you think we're going to do, John? chain wrestle and then he gets out a literal <laughs> chain <laughs> starts choking him with it I was like oh that was brilliant <laughs> well <Yeah>. spotted <laughs> like that uh, but yeah um, another point that someone brought up was uh, just questioning he's like oh no it's a sure, surely that these mouse traps are gimmicked or something they're just going to do a little pop and it's not going to be that bad and then Kenny Omega landed on them oh wait no they're, no they're not they're just mouse traps <laughs> just literally stuck them onto a board there's nothing more to it Ah, oh, okay, then that's pretty scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 it was like, um, and it wasn't that just that he landed on them. It was also he had to like try to crawl him, crawl off of there without like putting his hands yeah. on another one of them. <laughs> <laughs> like, I like the comparison of that to uh, when Moxley was on, like uh, got the switchblade out and he's cutting off the rope, the the, uh, the little ropes that were keeping the ring cover down. And he was just cutting all those off, and. 
just very nonchalant, obviously exhausted, gone through a ton of crap, and then he, he's just walking across the mousetrap, not giving a toss. <laughs> like they might as well have not been there to John Moxley, as uh, as he was just walking across them, cutting the ring thing off, just hearing the pop noises as he's walking across. Just a little comparison between the two, Moxley. Couldn't even care about their presence, whilst Omega's like crazily like, "Oh my god, <laughs> this is so weird." Uh, it, I think it's fair to say, escalators. <laughs> put, put it lightly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you have? Was there any spot that made you kind of like your neck kind of tighten a bit? Just like, oh, okay, that's a bit far. Or, or did, it, or did it just all build really nicely for the way you wanted the match to go? I think it built built really nicely, but to, but to me, it was. Probably, uh, well, first of all, early in the match when Moxie was grinding the barbed wire bat into the back of Omega mm. made me cringe. Like, I was like, oh my god, I can't believe he's doing that. Um, but but then later on, it was um, it was the spots with the glass that were really doing it oh, for me. Yeah. Oh, especially especially when when especially like the brilliant spot of um, Omega's strategy where he puts the sharpshooter on. Moxley, and the only way Moxley can escape the sharpshooter is to crawl through the glass to get to the ropes, mm. and just and, and not even get a submission, but then to kind of pull himself up and get it, and then pull himself off the glass. It was just like, what a psychological spot that was, because it's like, you know, I have no escape for this other than just to try to crawl through these shards of broken glass <laughs> <laughs> to, to to survive, the, not not even to win the match, but just to survive the match to this to that point. Mm. It was, it was, those little moments are what kind of elevated it from just you know hardcore spot match to an actual match with character and story. With just little moments like that, uh, that was definitely like one of my favorite. Uh, other one was when Kenny Maker was calling for the spider web of barbed wire. When he was calling for that, and they just did that little character moment of the other elite guys, just like, no, <laughs> why would we? No, don't, we're not going to do that. No, and of course Kenny Maker in his kind of crazed state that he's currently in. Where he's not really thinking a hundred percent logically, like a pro wrestler or whatever, he's, go- he's going to a different place, feeling the pressure of the weight of AEW that he needs to succeed for AEW to succeed, and he's going to that next level with the spider web of doom. <laughs> and uh, and, like, right, when right. Did... and that's and that's actually another example which you were talking about about how storylines continue on and on being the elite because we did we haven't really seen that much of that on actual mm. AEW programming. But on being the elite, there's been a lot of dissension between the Bucks and Kenny about, you know, Kenny feeling like he was a failure because he's been had such a losing streak going on, you know. Yeah, and I feel like it is canon, uh, just because of the the way it does actually interweave and stuff like that. It is nice to kind of get that confirmation with this moment on the pay per view because it directly leads from what has been happening. So that is nice to see to kind of get that. It's, we're getting little things confirmed, and I feel like we're getting more. BTE-like stuff with the video packages leaking through now and the little promos that have been happening. Like right. the, the product is evolving really, really nicely in getting those little things in. But uh, this was really the first time we definitely saw a major thing that had been playing out on BTE get some light on a pay-per-view. So that was... Yeah, that was kind of a nice little character moment. And of course, when they did the spot onto the spider web, my immediate thought was just... In my past, I have definitely watched Sabu versus Rob Van Dam in that barbed wire rope match, and well, unless it was Terry Funk Sabu, it was Sabu. That Sabu's the one I remember, and like Sabu wrapped himself in barbed wire and jumped onto his opponent, 
who was outside also wrapped in barbed wire <laughs> and they all stuck to them and everything and they had to get pliers out to cut them free of each other because they all got tangled and I was just like I watched that match but for some reason <laughs> in this match I was like no that's too far Kenny <laughs> that's too far he can't even suplex him on it no that's too far for me so I've I've definitely been PG'd like it's no question here <laughs> I mean, <it's... laughs> Uh, yeah, and then, and then and then you know and then, you know when that happened, you're like, okay, so these guys are like stuck to the barbed wire. Is this is this going to this no sanction thing really going to end in like a like a uh, no contest because they they can't get them off the barbed wire? <laughs> but but then but, but then they get them off the barbed wire, and Omega, you know, is like getting people away from from Kenny, and then Kenny hits him twice in the head with a spotlight, and I'm like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> um, actually, there actually no, you know, there was a. There was a spot my wife was working on this craft stuff um, while she was, while I was watching it, and she was and she was kind of was kind of talking to me while I was watching it, and she was working on some crafts. And there was a spot where where Kenny power bombed Omega onto the glass, and I yelled "Ah!" and I scared her so much she dropped some <laughs> craft stuff over the floor. <laughs> uh, like, I I don't like the like cause I can't do horror films. Because uh, uh, I'm, I'm a massive wimp, I, I don't like tension. <laughs> so, but I know how a good one works. Like just in that building up the tension. So the spots that get me the most are the, when he get out, like when he got out the piece of glass from the table that he'd been paradigm shifted through. On the was it the debut episode of AW? I want to say it was. Yeah, uh, it was. Yeah. It was. It was double or nothing. It was her first pay per view. Yeah. Oh yeah. So so then he gets a piece of glass from that table. And he's teasing that he's going to do something with it. And he tries to stab uh, Moxley in the head with it. Don't worry, Moxley gets stabbed in the head later. He still get that. <laughs> but he uh, he fought him off and then he kind of wrapped his legs around him to try and force it again. Still didn't work. And in the end, he just grabbed his hand and opened up his fingers to make sure he could get the web. And then sliced the grass across the web of his fingers. It's just the teasing of it all. And then he, when he does it, that, that's the bit that gets me. <laughs> like the yep. the building up of that tension of he's introduced the gun but he can't fire it he's trying to fire it but the other guy keeps stopping that's the tension I'm not like uh, that's the bit that gets me like in horror like yep. my worst nightmare is something like paranormal activity where it's 90% build and tension and 5% things happening <laughs> that, they're the worst films for me <laughs> I can't do it I don't like those ones like give me a film that will cure me jump scares over that <laughs> it was just so much but yeah Right, and then and then that's that's just a terrible spot to have a cut on too. <laughs> like that cut like, yeah. between the webbing of your hand, like you know, you, you talk about horror movies, like you see, like you watch these shows, like these horror shows, and and anytime they need blood, they like cut like the palm of the hand to drape like blood onto into like the witch's mm. uh, star or whatever. And you're always, and I'm always like, you're gonna need that hand for something. You're gonna need <laughs> to like cook with or write with, <laughs> and they always do that. And now, and now here, you know, Moxie gets cut in the hand, and I'm like, well, he's not going to be able to use that hand for anything for a few days. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, the thing that makes me because I was watching Sabrina, which I think is set in modern day, and uh, yeah. they're doing they're doing that sort of thing, and I was just like, it's set in modern day. We've got a really safe, nice medical way to doing this now, like. <laughs> 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 just go to a blood bank. <laughs> We've got the, the oh, witches haven't caught up with modern medicine. No, this is what it. Yeah, one day or, com- or or common sense either. 
and that describes the reboot of Charmed. I'm not even going to get on that. <laughs> just no comment on it. Uh, I didn't even. I saw the trailers and just immediately avoided it. Like Jesus Christ! I, I used to love that show as a kid. <laughs> oh, right. I realised I could talk I, about. I'm, the I'm, 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 look, well, I'm looking forward to the Buffy reboot. So. Oh, is it getting me? I did, for some reason, that's gone above my head. I did not know that's getting rebooted. Well, it's technically not a reboot, but what they're doing is there's going to be a new show called Buffy, and 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 apparently, like what's what the deal is is that because she's because she was such a successful and popular and uh, Slayer who kind of like popularized the fact that there were Slayers. Now Slayers are going to be called Buffies, and so like this new this can be a new like uh, Black Slayer who is the new Buffy of her generation. Okay. Also. Also, it's it's the same world which has been massively influenced by Buffy having existed in it. That's that's an interesting idea. Yeah. that's better yeah. than Charms. <laughs> that's at least I can well, say that. <laughs> well, Buffy was always better than Charmed. Come on. <laughs> oh, keep in mind, I was a child, so Buffy was too scary for me <laughs> as a kid. Like uh, that that was kind of my line as a child. Like Charmed is that's family fun. You can watch that as a family. You can't you can't always watch Buffy as a family. <laughs> Especially the uh there's the silent episode, which is fantastic. Hush. That's the one, yeah. Yeah. As a kid, like I am not going to sleep after that. <laughs> no. Just, no. No, 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 you're not. Not for a month or so. <laughs> <laughs> like as adults fantastic episode highly recommend it like, even if you don't watch Buffy I can still recommend that episode because it's just such a well done self contained story but yeah, not with kids <laughs> never in a million years oh, it's, yeah. that's, what, that's exactly what I mean though it's that, that building off the tension um, that's, that, that's what that episode is it's, it's just building it all up and just the presence of the thing is there you can see it but it's the fact that you it's being teased. It's being te- nothing you can do. It's going to happen, and yeah, then he gets the web of his fingers cut by glass. So uh, <laughs> don't <Yeah>. like it. <laughs> no, it's a, it was great. Yeah, it's essentially yeah. the Jimmy Havoc special spot. So yeah, and who knows what his status is now <laughs> after the weekend? So the tor- tor- torches maybe have been passed. To Kelly Omega to be the crazy web fingers person, I guess. <laughs> if he wants to carry that mantle, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's, and it's crazy because, like, you know, coming in, you know, I would have thought Kenny Omega would be, would have been like right up there in the running to be the first AEW World Champion, and here we are, mm. three pay per views in, and he doesn't have a victory on pay per view yet. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah, I like the longer story they're telling with him, and like in my predictions, that oh I yeah, did, I love it. Love I, it. Pre- I predicted this kind of exact outcome for it. Just because, like, what happens on Dynamite TV and what's happened to these characters matters come the pay-per-view. I think that's, like, one massive um, writing difference between AW and WWE. On the night in WWE, you can predict a surprise because literally anything could happen. What's happened on the television doesn't necessarily matter. On the pay-per-view, anything can happen. AEW, it just feels like you. the more you pay attention, the more the result makes sense and it matters and it just has a lot more to it. So the context right. of what happens on the show does matter, and it does inform you of the story that's going to be told on the pay-per-view. I really, really like that. It's, it's a massive difference between the two, especially of what we're used to. Because I feel like Full Gear, 
was a fantastic example of a show full of stuff that, as wrestling fans, we've just not seen for ages and we're not really used to seeing. And the main event was just... It just encapsulated that. Like The main event was a ball of violence that we have not seen on television in quite a long time. It was no, and it, and and it was even and it was even better than you know the than the Janela uh, Moxley one we saw at um, I don't even remember which show it was now was it uh, Fighter Fest or yeah that would have been Fighter Fest yeah 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 so yeah and and I and I and I really like the way that they that they've set these things up so that there's they can actually have two main events you know and and it, and it makes sense that they're two main events because one of them is the main event of the actual wrestling show, and then the other one is the main event when the lights go dark and it, does, it isn't even sanctioned, you know. Mm. As, opposed to, as, as, as opposed to WWE saying, we have five main events at WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like, because uh, there were people who have been built up, I think this was brought up on the latest Dynamite After Dark, but there were quite a few characters who've been built upon television who just aren't on the pay-per-view. They just didn't have... It hasn't been built up, but they didn't have something that had been built up for the pay-per-view, so they're not on it. Like Darby Allin, he's been built up. They could have easily just jammed a match in for him if they wanted to continue featuring him, but wasn't really necessary. If they're going to feature him, just have him watching on during a match, which they did for the... I think it was the women's match he was watching. It was kind of funny, because whenever they did a wide shot, you could just see his head glooming in the background. <laughs> just him watching and brooding, I thought it was quite funny. Just but, but, but I but I but I will say, just just to piss you and Jeff off, that <laughs> he should have had a match on there before fucking Sean Spears did. <laughs> oh, I am the guy who had a podcast called Perfect Ten Wrestling for years. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, yeah, so a slight <laughs> bias, my end. <laughs> oh, we can none, we'll talk none about whatso- none, none, none whatsoever. None whatsoever for me. <laughs> we'll talk about Sean Spears in a bit more detail when we get to actually having to talk about his match. Do we? Do we have to? <laughs> uh, you can talk about Janela's gorgeous hair for a bit. Just focus on that. <laughs> <laughs> I like how like every commentator at some point just gets locked. They they, they just suddenly realise it. It's like, oh my god, you're right. His hair is amazing. <laughs> That's them gone for the match. As <laughs> I like just sit there with that realisation. <laughs> I do like that about Janela. Uh, and, he, and, he, and he lost the match, and he officially lost his girl, so... Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> the British stole his girl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, he, now she can be the super bad girl instead of just the bad girl. I like that. To be fair, he did say that, didn't he? It was, yeah. Uh, and it's a nice little setup for Janela without Janela being there. I like, right, I yeah, like... no, yeah, yeah, no, she said it. She said, why be bad when you can be super bad? Yeah. Yeah, again, that was during my point of a drunk person talking to me. <laughs> so I didn't exactly grab everything. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yes, the main event was something entirely different, to quote Monty Python. It was very, uh, v- well, very violent. Uh, I'm Really, I'm just retreading ground just to kind of wrap up the point with this match. Uh, Moxie winning, for me, the, again, we were touching on it. That is the perfectly right result. It feels like he and Pac, for me, going into this show, I thought they would be the two to maybe go next to Jericho, but I guess with Pac losing, that only leaves Moxley. And why not, I guess? Because they're in this place where they want obviously want to build new stars, and they obviously want to uh, make the elite, the kind of new stars, and not feature too much WWE guys. But in these first months, the the 
people who are already over and you can use to sell like main event championship matches are form- those former WWE main event guys and the elite. Aside from that, you're going to have to spend time building them. And this first, maybe the first half year of their existence, I'm expecting like, yeah, Moxley, Jericho, Omega, obviously Cody. I feel like he'll still be in the main event scene, but he's doing his stuff with MJF now, which was done fantastically. But if they're not the elite and they're not former WWE main event, it's going to be a little while before they are main eventing pay-per-views. Because they're going to build them up and they're doing it really well. Like Darby Allin in like no time and... Oh, for some reason, the other guy that really came to mind was Orange Cassidy. But there's the two people who have become insanely popular extremely quickly. Orange Cassidy won't be in an AEW World Championship match. I can almost guarantee it, but I, I don't want to throw my hat on too firmly. Because <laughs> I feel like... Oh, he, I sure hope not. He could be a guy who wins a battle royal when he was trying to lose it or something or didn't care. But somehow he wins and he gets a championship match and he, people are like, oh, I'm interested to see how that goes. He doesn't win, obviously, <laughs> but it's just, it wouldn't surprise me if somewhere down the line something like that happened. But that's why you invent a mid-card championship. <laughs> so he can do that without much consequence. <laughs> it's the perfect kind of position for him. And, wouldn't, um, that be like the per- wouldn't that actually be, like, be the perfect way for Cody to actually get another world title shot? Is like Orange Cassidy wins and then he just kind of shrugs it off and uh, gives it to Cody. <laughs> <laughs> just gives it to him. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can have it. <laughs> oh, but but, I'm, to... but I but I but I but I you know I kind of disagree with you about Moxley being right being the next contender for Jericho simply because his victory over Omega doesn't mean anything. Oh, it wasn't yes, an official yes. match. It, it doesn't go count towards his record. Meanwhile, the number three guy in the promotion beat the number two guy in the promotion, while the number one guy can't get a title shot anymore. So really, Page is right back in line for a title shot now. Yeah. Uh. I feel like some T. Well, obviously they've now got a really long period before the next show, which I'm assuming will be January, February type of time. So they've got quite a big period to build and transition and move about that top five. Because they do. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, but I, uh, you are and, right. and, I, yeah. and and also you know Jeff and I talked about on Dynamite After Dark that I think the January paper you might end up being like a like bunkhouse stampede, and it might not even be a title match there because it might be. You know, like five members of the elite versus five members uh, versus the five members of the inner circle in this kind of a, a war game style match, but they're what they call something else. Well, it it does feel like that's where they're naturally building to, is it? It makes right. all the sense because they're building all that tension between the inner circle and the elite, and this was kind of like their first proper clashing in a formal exactly. in, a, in a formal setting, and it makes sense to continue that really, just. Yeah, keep the momentum going as it is. There's not really much need to divert that much. Uh, Cody's now got his stuff with MJF, but the rest of the elite are still clashing majorly over the inner circle. Yeah, that does make it does make a lot of sense. I was thinking about the championship, like who's going to be next in line to defend it. But no, you're right. The inner circle versus the elite, especially that's where they're building to, and they've kind of hinted at stuff maybe. But I can't tell if that's because they know where they're going with it or if they're triple Hing us. Where in November he'll just build to twenty different matches. One of them might come off, <laughs> and then suddenly you can go, "Oh, I hinted at it back in November." It's like you hinted at like twenty different matches, but fine, I guess. If <laughs> you set them, yeah, you set them all up so that yeah, that, that's the Triple H tactic. I don't know which one they're doing, 
I'll shotgun be... approach. You just you just you just shoot you just shoot a bunch of things, hoping it'll hit something. Yeah, <laughs> that's essentially it. <laughs> Oh. Like he, he, he did it last year with Batista, where when he was on SmackDown, they just did a thing just in case, and uh, yeah, turns out, yeah, worked. They did, so yeah, it was good to shoot shoot the shotgun and randomly hit Batista. I was like, oh, that'd be good, wouldn't it? <laughs> and then they did that, yeah. But yes, right. uh, main event was the right call. I love the story that they're doing with Omega as well, where he's just feeling the weight and the pressure of being the megastar, the hottest act, the best wrestler, or whatever for AW carrying the company on his shoulders and he's feeling the pressure and maybe thinking about things a bit too hard getting in his own head driving himself a bit crazy Uh, this match was him was that force kind of driving him forward where he he has gone over the edge essentially and he was trying to match John Moxley which isn't recommended so yeah (laughs) so a very very violent match if you are somebody who's not watched the show and for some reason is listening to us, if you've got kids, maybe not. <laughs> but if it's just you. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I do want to say one more thing about the matches. I, I, loved, I loved that um, the finish of the match also um, rewards those of us who have paid attention to Omega's entire career. You know, mm. where, where, he, where, he try, where he tried to win the match um, with his lover's former finishing move you know and instead he lost because of it actually yeah, i do really really like that because they hinted at it with the video as well right, on halloween where he is obviously on moxley's mind uh koto Ibushi. uh the pressure of him him having to try and carry this company and he's feeling that pressure whilst koto Ibushi is succeeding like he's in that four-way for the main not the four-way like the mini little tournament thing that's going on Kota Ibushi is the G1 Climax winner at the peak, main events of Vettel Kingdom, and Kenny Omega can't win against anybody. And yeah, so he pulls out the Phoenix Splash and eats wood, like painfully. Right. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, yeah. Credit to both John Moxley and Kenny Omega for both being mental. Like, that. that's the kind of thing that lifted this match. Both were crazy enough to. Just do mental stuff <laughs> just to put it like that but yeah yeah and we, and, we, and we might and we might and we might see Omega getting becoming even more crazy now that he lost again so. <laughs> oh we definitely will definitely will especially in the build to the inner circle match there's a there might be a will he won't he help them and whenever he turns up you don't know what state he'll be in or you're going to get crazy Kenny Omega or world's best bout machine Kenny Omega wouldn't be surprised that starts to happen just because he's just not right <laughs> and unstable. Uh, but yes, really, really, I thought that, that that kind of hardcore match might be something that I wouldn't enjoy, but I surprised myself. I did. Even when an ice bit came out, and that's when my neck started to tighten. That was my moment of, oh, I've watched Pentagon Jr. versus Sammy Callahan. Oh, <laughs> maybe yep. I can see where this is going. Oh, the, the sound of the, the metal clanking, it's, it's still... It's still uh, it scares me to this day just the shudder of that, that sound oh, bloody fantastic match <laughs> another, another example of the hardcore and storytelling mashing together incredibly oh. yeah and that that's from uh, what Slammiversary 2007 2018 so hmm. just, just for anybody who wants to go back and find the one we're talking about oh um, yes yeah. yeah and uh, and you know you talked about um, 
you know, will he or won't he? And that's a good way to lead into the main event, to the to the actual main event of the mm. show, which was Chris Jericho defending against Cody, because it turns out Cody's best friend had this master plan all along, mm. where, where <laughs> you know, for, for months it's been like, well, is MGF going to turn on Cody? And then, and then we see, you know, he comes out, he, he's helping Cody against the inner circle. You know, he comes out, the inner circle's holding Cody to be attacked by MGF. He won't do it. Why? Because he doesn't want to join the inner circle. But he does want to betray Cody. <laughs> and he does, it, he does it in the most high-stakes way possible, where Cody's put his, um, his chance to ever have a title, sh- title match on the line here. And MGF throws in the towel for him. And then he's on his knees apologizing. He knows Cody's going to forgive him because he's Cody. And then he kicks him right in the nuts, literally and figuratively. It's just such a brilliant, brilliant <laughs> turn for, for MJF here. You know, I, I've been arguing with Jeff for weeks about him being a babyface, that he's, that he's not. Mm. And now he finally shows his true colors, which is great. It's the amount of emotions because I will say I was fooled I was taken for a ride by MJF's acting like with the, the, the tears his eyes welling up whilst he was on the go like he was so sorry that I, I've mucked up here and the crowd were chanting you've effed up at him expecting Cody to maybe be, do something and at that moment that's where like the, on the roller coaster ups and downs that's when suddenly I was thinking oh wait what if the next part of this story is Cody's angry at MJF and that's what really tests their friendship and but no it's just got to emphasize the fact that because that would that might accidentally to kind of cement it that MJF might be a baby face and then he's been tested by Cody and then if he does turn he's got reasoning to do it this keeps him a heel as <laughs> he's definitely a dick <laughs> I think it's the best yeah. way to put it it doesn't yeah, confuse and, and, anything and I also loved the way that I also love Cody's reaction at the end of it, where Cody just kind of sat up and he and he looked and and the look on his face wasn't like, "What the fuck just happened?" Mm-hmm. or, um, or you know, "I can't believe he did this to me." It was it was that look that this that the frog should get when the scorpion stabs it, where mm-hmm. you know, "I knew you were a scorpion all along, <laughs> <laughs> and now I got and now I got to deal with you," mm-hmm. you know. So I mean, it it, it it was great that you know that Cody got suckered there with the kick, but at the same time. Cody is not a sucker. He knew it was coming eventually, and now he's got to deal with it. I really, I really loved that reaction by him. I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm reading too much into it, or if, or if that was like you know what, what the intent was. But that's what I saw on Cody's face. Where it wasn't like he was shocked. It was like he was exasperated, and um, you know, now I got now I got more work to do because he yeah. always does the work. You know. Yeah, and I feel like it's kind of emphasized with the well, uh, we all knew he was. <laughs> he was the type yep. of person to do this sort of thing. Um, for me, it's perfectly emphasized by the AW uh, Twitter account, where within minutes of it happening, they were tweeting out a really well-drawn uh, cartoon of MJF as Two-Face from Batman. <laughs> <It was just laughs> like, they had Love that it. at the ready, <laughs> just because of like, like, come on guys, we all know he's going to do it eventually, <laughs> let's just get it, all, get it ready to immediately tweet out. Uh, it's really well done, <laughs> I meant to check it out, uh, but yeah. It was done so damn well because it, 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 it got me purely because I was thinking it's way too early to be doing this so they're not going to do it. So, But me being so certain they're not going to do it also makes it the perfect time to do it because I'll never be expecting them to actually do it. 
it's weird when you're in a world where most of the stories are told in on like the really really long form. That means when you do something like this, it stands out and it's not random or rushed. It it works essentially when everything else around it also plays out to quite a long degree, which is. I'm, tr- I'm trying to try and make a point where if it, if if this happens in WWE where they've been six weeks together, then they turn. The issue is the rest of the world only lasts for such a lot short term anyway, so it's more of the same. In AW, the fact this only lasted six weeks it makes it stand out. Stand out. Obviously, canon wise, this lasted for ages. <laughs> this build with MJF, in terms of the TV universe, six weeks. Started here, and now you've cemented MJF's character. I'm perfectly fine with that. Because the world around it is more solid, makes more sense, isn't constantly flipping and changing every single month. It's The characters are static. What happens leads into the next, not just week, but following weeks, if not, hopefully hopefully months. Because we've had a, such a solid first month, or first programme from start to pay-per-view. That really is something that NXT nails, to be fair. Where after the pay-per-view, the consequences of what happened are the first thing to commence, in a way. Like with uh, with Game of Thrones. Episode 9 is where it all went down. Episode 10 is, now it's all gone down, now what? (laughs) And I really, really like that idea. Uh, NXT nails it, and I'm expecting AEW to do it. So, I'm excited to go forward, but yes. Cody MJF, bloody brilliant. Uh... But what did yeah, you make? And, 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 the other, and the other thing is, with, is you know, the, all Cody's friends, and, and even him, are now falling apart. And the, it's mm-hmm. like, now and now, with the, now the hero's journey for them to overcome the inner circle can begin. Because now they're all at such a low point. Other than, other than Hangman, you know, Omega lost, the Bucks lost, Cody lost, and MJF betrayed Cody. So yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like Cody's at the lowest point he could possibly be at right now. So now it's time to do the work and and get back to that point where the inner circle can be defeated by, by these uh, by these guys coming back up. You know, it's a classic story you'd you'd read like you know in X Men or, you know, the Avengers where like you know they're defeated you know one on one. Now they have to like team up and and find a way to win together. It's just <laughs> yeah. I love it. I I love the way that everything is like falling apart for them so that they can they can come back later on. Yeah, I'm I really. Like what I was talking about in my column this week when I was talking about AEW, it was pretty much just that that just that state of you have to completely break down your heroes before you can build them up. Like it's a lot of issues you get in standard Hollywood films where, well, if you've ever been watching a Hollywood film and you feel you have your, you get yourself feeling like you want the villain to win, not just because you you think uh, Jeff's a bit irritating. <laughs> then I've cast Jeff as the lead. <laughs> of all the random names for me to pick, I've gone with Jeff as our lead actor in irritating yeah. standard Hollywood film. <laughs> yeah, so Jeff... nobody, and no, and honestly, nobody ever wants to cheer for somebody named Jeff anyway. <laughs> yeah. Who would cheer for a guy or, named Jeff? <laughs> that's, like, that's like cheering for Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, I'm losing my voice laughing at this. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, so, yeah, so you, for some reason you want Jeff to lose and you, you really want the villain to win. Most of the time, if like if, if Jeff's in Transformers, for example, the biggest reason when you're watching Jeff and you want Leonard Nimoy to win, 
Like the the biggest reasoning is mostly because you've been building up the villains. The villains are really really interesting, and you're at that point where the the villain is about to achieve a thing which will make them super powerful. In the case of Inner Circle, it's actually like gaining control and winning and retaining championships. In Transformers, when he's gaining that power, he either gains it and immediately loses it, or he doesn't at all. And that's like the end of the film. And they're kind of like, oh. But, I mean, the art was kind of... You were on the verge of making a really good villain, but of course, end of movie, he has to die. That's not the case with wrestling. And, and of course, in a more... In a better written... (laughs) I've purposely chose Transformers, because I know that film was written as it was filmed. So, hence why that happens, in a way. It's like, you get a really interesting story, but of course, you've got to end it at the end of the film. It's like, yeah... That's the same issue with WWE. Just look at uh, Braun Strowman or Samoa Joe whenever they had them go up against Brock Lesnar. They'd be like, oh, he'd be awesome as a competitor. Yeah, but at the end of the film, he's got to immediately die. <laughs> so what's the point building them up? Uh, but yeah, with WWE, wrong company, with AEW, they are building up the villains. And the best way to build up the villains in like an action film kind of thing is to completely break them. Destroy the heroes. And it isn't till they're at their lowest point and the heroes are on top with full control. That is when they can start their journey. Not not within like 30 minutes of finished it. But this is where they can begin. And I feel like we are finally at that point, just as Jam was saying. Like finally we can start building. My voice is going. <laughs> but yeah, it's... Uh, Story-wise, I've really liked what they've done these first six weeks in dismantling the Elite. Uh, next step is to have them be in that period of struggle, like fighting upwards even though they're in management. Yep, exactly. That, and that's that's the great thing about it too is that, you know, it's it's like... And, you know, Jeff and I had mentioned this the other day. It would have been great if, like, if like Jericho um, somehow got a spot where, where he was... He, he had Cody's job for a while because of Cody losing this match. Just make it just make it even more of a struggle where the inner circles actually got us got like a uh, a shoe in the door in running the company. Mm. You know, and, yeah. Uh, but what did you make of the actual match itself? So this this way, I saw my Twitter a little bit split. I thought it was really good. I didn't th- I didn't necessarily think it was great, but I thought it was really good. Um, I thought it told a good story. Um, I, I loved when uh, I loved how you know Hager was thrown out of there, and so it, it looked like you know maybe maybe the field was leveled a bit for Cody, and then it you know then it, of course you know we know we know what happened. Um, I, I loved um, I loved Hager's interferences in it. In it. I loved um, Jericho's taking advantage of Cody's mistake and smashing his face into the ramp. God, that looked terrible. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, you know, and and actually, like like even at the start of the show, like I, I told my wife, I was like, I love the fact they have a raised ramp on this show. I, I've always loved the raised mm. ramp because it, it leaves it. There's so many different. There's so many story possibilities of you know with that with that ramp, as opposed to any other setup there is in a wrestling show. Um, and but yeah, I mean, I loved I loved the match. I I I well, at least I liked it a lot. I, like I said, I don't know it was great, but I thought it was really good. Like um, I'm personally taking a little bit of pride in the fact that the entire time after the announcement was made a few weeks ago about the judges being there, like and immediately they get, uh, a lot of the critique was, well now we blatantly know it's going to be going an hour, and I'm like, this isn't WWE. This is the exact point I'm making, uh, where they're setting stuff up that doesn't mean they're going to. It's the Chekhov's gun thing. 
in a film, there were, when you, there, in, there were, they were never, they were never going to go an hour. That was yeah. <laughs> like, especially when you look at the competitors and on Twitter, when it started, they were like, Oh, they're going at the pace. That could be an hour. It was like, it's Chris Jericho. If someone's wrestling an hour, it's not him. <laughs> He's not okay. at that point where he can do that. <laughs> no. So, hmm. But um, yeah, I, like for me, when the in, when a film introduces Chekhov's gun, the reasoning isn't so they can immediately fire it. That's not why it's introduced. <laughs> introduced so you can build up the tension of the fact you know it's there and could be used, or you expect it to be fired, but that doesn't mean you fire it immediately. Uh, that's the kind of that's the view I had going in <laughs> to this match. Like I was, I was expecting it not to be fired. And it wasn't, and I was like, ah, "Suck it, Twitter." <laughs> I was right. It yeah, didn't and, get and, and 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 also when they finally do fire it, they're probably going to do. They're probably going to be like more emphasis on who the judges are when that happens. Yes, well, you yeah, know, rather, rather the, than than just saying yeah. there's going to be three judges, and then they don't t- talk about it for two weeks after that. <laughs> Especially, it really made me laugh just because I was like, "Oh, be standard, right? Whoever they could ship in," and I'm like. What KG Muto? <laughs> like such a high-profile name. It was like, what are you even doing here? <laughs> Did you come along with NJPW or something? Right. It caught me by surprise that one. Because <laughs> Dimalenko on Anderson, yeah, that makes sense. Especially if you can just bring out legends from the back. It's like, yeah, that makes all the sense in the world. It's just the fact that KG Muto was there <laughs> that really caught me by surprise. I was not. I was not expecting that, but I did enjoy every time I saw him just going, Keiji Muto, <laughs> Muto Keiji. <laughs> <laughs> just... <laughs> yeah, no, I no, I, I, I expected Arn to be one of them. I expected Magnum, and I expected Magnum TA, and I didn't know who the third mm. one was going to be. So, you know, I got one out of the I got one out of the three. Yeah, I don't think anyone predicted the Great Muta. <laughs> no. <laughs> it just came so out of nowhere. <laughs> uh, especially, but that's the point you were making, because it was such a minor role as well. Like the idea was legends sit at ringside, and again, our expectation was that they weren't going to do the sixty. So whoever the judges were, probably weren't going to be that high profile. That's why he surprised me, because <laughs> I was expecting them not to be used, and it was quite clever because in a way that twisted it into me thinking, oh, they might, maybe, maybe they could, and then they started doing a lot of, as I call it, pissing about wrestling, where Chris Jericho, yeah, he's doing stuff, but he's taunting people in the about he goes to the judges directly and makes sure we see them by taunting Dean Malenko uh, yep. we, obviously the longer wrestling watching person would know the his, storyline histories of Chris Jericho and Dean Malenko in the wrestling world uh, but uh, but yeah he makes you know that the judges are there uh, and he talks to the crowd a lot talks to Cody a lot uh, just yeah piss taking wrestling the kind of stuff which is in there to make the match longer but in terms of someone like Chris Jericho, making a match longer means they're probably going to 40. 40, 38, or 30. I don't even know if they broke 30, actually. No, I don't think so. And I didn't expect it. I expected it was going to go 25 or less, honestly. Mm. Which it um, probably and, did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it did. And, uh, you know, I, my favorite idea for a judge in this one was, was since he was going to be at StarCast 4, was going to be the, would have been the Yeti. Just so he was out there going, <laughs> he's just in there going, <laughs> to, to pardon the pun, would he have been in full gear? Of course he would have been. <laughs> oh, like people were taking the piss of what would Muto put on his card, and they're just like, oh, like they've, they've put names, and then Muto's just got a spray of red mist just on his card. <laughs> it's like, oh, he's not understood this, Muto. <laughs> like, no. Uh, well, I don't know what the Yeti would have written, but 
Yeah, he would have gone oh, whilst lifting it. So well done. <laughs> well done. Yeah. That would have been great, like if Jericho had like gone through all three judges, like like you know, first he gets in Malenko's face, then he gets in Anderson's face, and he gets in Muda's face, and Muda sprays him with the mist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome spot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, I kind of agree. The um, the fact that Cody did end up getting that third eyebrow, it kind of did add to the match in a way, because of course that meant every single move of Jericho had an extra oomph every single time that Cody fought back. He felt like he was really fighting back that little bit more because he had sustained such a uh, visible injury as well. <laughs> and it was, in fact, it was one of those injuries that it, Twitter made me laugh because I'm, I'm assuming you weren't on it, so you've not seen the conversations that were happening. I eventually just started I, I, tuning I never, them out. I never pay attention to Twitter. That's yeah. not my scene. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a genuine argument going on of whether or not Cody had bladed. Obviously... That taught me that there are quite a few people who don't know how thick blades are and how blades work. Like, you can't create a third eyebrow with a blade that they use. It's just, no, way too deep, way too thick, immediate. And also, the speed of which he would have had to do it, given that he landed head first, immediately looked up, and there was blood. Like, yeah, I was gonna, yeah. I was gonna, that's what I was going to say is there's no way. There's, it could not have yeah. done, it could not have been done, uh, it physically was impossible for him to have bladed at that spot. Yeah, you know, to that degree as well. Right, like, but I mean, even, yeah. even like when you show the replay, you, you see it's just too fat. Like, like, he, like he hits head first. His hands are nowhere close to his his hand. His mm. hands are like uh, like by his body. Yeah. He looks up and there's blood there. There's no way he could have bladed unless there was a blade like just right there in that spot. <laughs> and he just like lifted his head on on that blade, and that would have been that would have been like the most precise landing <laughs> and timing ever. <laughs> well, like, it turns out Chris Jericho was actually on there placing the blade in like the <laughs> gaps of the ramp. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I think we've cracked it. But I feel like um, oh, you, I don't know if you were watching when Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens. So Sami Zayn mucked up his springboard off the ropes and landed really dangerously. Suddenly, because he seemingly not a little bit loopy, that added to every single move and it was a similar thing here but because of the gnarliness of it and the story they were telling anyway it really added to Cody fighting back and whenever he was on top with every single move he did it added to that feeling of it's like it's really taking a lot of out, out of him to do this like even when he was first locked in the uh, walls like it just right. the way that he was screaming into the camera it was just kind of it really looked like he as a performer was fighting through the pain not just the wrestler in a, in a way as well, just because of how visible the injury was. Uh, that really I, helped me I get agree. into the yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I don't know... It's so weird that, that, that this wasn't a planned spot, because mm. you know, I, I don't know if the ending of the match works works at all, much less as well if Cody, if Cody hasn't been bleeding. You know? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, because it is Cody, that he would have bladed at some point. <laughs> like roads yeah. bleed on every AEW pay-per-view that's the rule <laughs> so <laughs> so he probably would have bladed so I feel like it would have worked perfectly fine but yeah it, it yeah, definitely the, the visual of it def- especially with the blonde hair the visual of it works so damn well yeah hmm. exactly yeah I, th- I think that's why he dyed his hair blonde actually ah yeah uh, yeah it yeah, makes sense <laughs> well remember he did it and it really, really works. Then he had to dye it dark again for a movie role. And that's when it hit me. He's like, oh, wait, no, the blonde really does work. <laughs> it, was, it was when yeah. he went 
when when we lost it for like a few months, and that's when it suddenly realised what we had. <laughs> that blonde Cody, that is pure babyface Cody. It works so damn well. Uh, also, we can't talk about this match without giving a shout out to uh, Mama Rhodes, who beat the crap out of Chris Jericho, and just my favourite part being that after her spot had blatantly ended, ended she leant over the barricade again and gave him another slap. <laughs> that was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah. The, the only now the only the only part of the match I did not like, and I'm going to see. Just because it's not consistent with the rules and it's not consistent with with other things that happened in the match is, I don't think that that belt spot should have should have happened. Like you know the, because if if the referee has to be distracted in order for Jericho to hit Cody with the championship belt, then why is is he is he able to hit him with the weight belt without getting mm. disqualified? Yeah, it's the yeah it's the referee discretion where you see it sometimes. Outside of WWE, like you see it in New Japan or whatever, where they take off a belt, start whipping them with it, and it's fine. Obviously, in New Japan, I'm really bending because of evil. Like evil will get out a yeah. chair and the ref and red shoes is just like oh, no, no, no. This is just this is just what True. evil's like. That's fine. <laughs> and he just sat there like, well, that's not rules. <laughs> He's breaking but, the but, rules. But, yeah. but you know, she wasn't even counting. She was just saying, you know, don't do that. She wasn't yeah. even counting. She, she finally just grabbed it and threw it out of the ring. But I mean, there was no even there wasn't even any counting involved. It was like. You know, there was nothing that really would have went to him any kind of a feeling that the match could have ended on that, you know. Yeah. And that's that's, that's what I didn't like. Yeah, like, for me, if they're going to do it, it wouldn't be out of question for me if she was doing... If Orby was doing something, uh, Chris Jericho then starts whipping him, and then when she immediately sees it, that's when she does exactly what she did. Because that was good, obviously, when she stops him. Uh, also, I loved the uh, shoving match that they had with each other that led into a pin. <laughs> it's just oh yeah. I love the way they that the referees have actual character, and you can tell that it's working because the crowd are chanting all of his name, which is uh, compared to WWE where they're just interchangeable robots essentially. They are background. Uh, yeah, actually, I, I thought it was great also that one you know one of the announcers mentioned that I think I think it was X mentioned that uh, um, you know there's we have certain officials that are just good that are good for different roles. Like Aubrey's good at. At being the mm. you know the the main event referee and Rick Knox is great at being at the multi man match referee. You know, I think that's a really I think that's a really cool idea actually. Yeah, you know yeah. you know like like you know like ref like referee specialties. <laughs> yeah, not only do they have different characteristics and the referee discretion will change from ref to ref, but also they are better at certain types of matches. Yeah, that makes uh, like all the sense. Like, they've they've got strengths as well. Yes, I like that. <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't I mean, pick that up, but I do, do like that. Yeah, yeah, because that's that's how you know that's how that's how real people are in real life. That you know you're like you're better at at like like for instance like my job, you know part of my job is training. Part of my job is emailing people. Part of my job is looking up and researching things. And and you know there's there's my coworkers and I like you know like there's different aspects that each of us are better at. And that's how I think, and I think that's how it is. Like with most people in most roles, like you're not going to be great at every part of your job, but you're going to have something that's your, your job that you probably are pretty damn good at, you know? Yeah. And I, and, yeah. I, and I think it makes sense that a referee would do the same thing here. Mm. Yeah, like me, I'm a supply teacher. I'm fantastic at getting on with kids. That's kind of my biggest strength. Is there is something about me where kids just they they do really really like me. However, if you send me to, if, if I'm a, you, you don't send me then to a kind of troubled school or a, a school where the kids are 
a bit troublesome. <laughs> just trying to find a way to say it nicely. <laughs> like, I am not the teacher you send there. They are not. It's not to my strength at all. Whilst you can expect in WWE because they are interchangeable robots, you can send them to any job. It doesn't matter. They're they're, they're a teacher. They can teach, right? <laughs> that's all. That's the only thing they need uh, to right. kind of work. Yeah, but I, I like how you do we doing that idea. Like, yeah, certain refs best about certain things. And when the match plays out, it's a different kind of match per referee as well. But I really, really like Abs- that. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Right, speaking of things I also really liked, the AEW Women's World Championship. Uh, Rio defending against Emi Sakura. So I was complaining about the story coming in pr- being pretty much non-existent to the point that Kenny Omega told it on Twitter. <laughs> Which isn't a great start, I'll be honest. But at the end of the day, it is too... Joshi wrestlers, teacher versus student, and it showed. Like the quality of this match is built and built and built, and it's like they went in knowing that there wasn't going to be much support for Emi Sakura, and they kind of built that over the course of the match. And like Jesus Christ, that ending sequence—it was like I was watching it on fast forward. Just like the speed of those counters was absolutely incredible. It was—I uh, don't think I've ever seen a back and forth. Uh, sequence of counters like at that speed it was yeah extremely impressed <laughs> that was really, really I good. agree I agree yeah that that mm. I mean the, the match itself I was kind of I mean no I didn't have a, I didn't have a drunk person coming in but I <laughs> I was a bit but I was a bit distracted during this match I think just because I think just because of where it was in the show and and like you know so you know something going on here in my house at the same time but but like that's but like the it really caught my eye the ending of the match the last like the last five six minutes with all those counters back and forth and and everything I thought it was fantastic. Mm. It's like, I'll say uh, Sakura's uh, backbreakers were insane. Like she did some tilt to worlds and just hit them with such ferocity, and the way that Rio just bends when she gets hit with them, like, she, like, the, together they make those moves look so damn destroying. <laughs> like, it's just yeah. it's like Sakura's just broken Rio, but it's just the way that. Rio, like Rio, bends just enough to make it look like she's generally, yeah, generally bent her <laughs> by hitting that tilt wheel, uh, and she hits it with such force that it, I was like, oh, it's like a match made in heaven. It's perfect. <laughs> they both make each other well, look amazing. Well, you know, she's she's so um, light and small and flexible that I think that's just, that's just like her biggest strength as a wrestler. She is she sells so damn well because of those characteristics. Mm. And that means that when she is trying to fight back and get momentum back, it's that. You've seen her get absolutely destroyed, and it feels like she's fighting back that a little bit more, rather than just being like knocked down or whatever. It's like no, she's like generally she's been bent all over, and she's doing her best to kind of fight back after those uh, knees were absolutely devastating or whatever. Uh, but in this one, it was she will use her foot stomp, and she will use it again and again and again, and there's a bigger variety of ways as possible. But it doesn't really get tired because most of the times it's a counter. Or it's like after a counter or sequence or something, and like she wasn't planning to kind of end the match with that. So that was again, it was another roll up victory. But this is one of those things where you go, oh, roll up victory. Oh, that's bad. No, because context. <laughs> there was things other than the roll. It wasn't a WWE roll up where you get three minutes go. Like that wasn't that kind of thing. It was a roll up no, after an no, amazing it- countering sequence and. The fact that she was able to hold her down was like the crowd were like, "Oh, she finally got it!" and were up on her feet, chanting her name. 
And the other thing is, it is just because of her of, the, of her size compared to the other competitors, mm. it makes sense that you know she would have to have that you know her her primary way of winning matches, you know against against people that are so much bigger and stronger than her, is getting that surprise or not even a surprise but just like a a trap pin where they can't escape from it. Yeah, makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. Especially you know, as it's you know, that I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, when you, I mean, if you have somebody like you know, Samoa Joe winning by roll up all the time, it's a lot fucking different. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he has a good point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or if they do the other thing they've been doing recently, where it's Chad Gable, sorry, Shorty G. Oh, I don't. Like, it hurts <laughs> with the uh, with. Whoa, 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 whoa! He's being called Shorty G. Yeah, and the best part about it. Is um, we all know how nicknames work. Wait, wait. There, there's there's a good part about it. There, Sorry, I'm, I'm being ahead. I am being sarcastic with it. <laughs> so okay. like, all right, all right. The best part, the best part about it, <laughs> is that okay. um, they were so Baron Corbin was taking the piss out of him, calling him Shorty Gable, and then his his kind of jokey way to cope with that was to call himself Shorty Gable and own it, uh, and uh, beat the bully by owning the nickname and showing it doesn't affect him. Which is normally the biggest sign that it's totally affecting him and it's working, <laughs> but he uh, he then after winning a match went, you know what? Let's make it even shorter. Let's let's call it let's call it Shorty G. So the best part about it, the the way nicknames work is you you know the coolest people have self imposed nicknames. Shorty right. G's self imposed. <laughs> it's just just like oh no, it makes it even worse. <laughs> it's really bad, and he chose to be called that. Oh dear. Oh no! So, how long until he and our truth are a rapping tag team? He's already like like Bowen Corbin's gone back to the main event, and he's already he's he, he walked in with Mustafa Ali to lose against Nakamura, someone in a bigger storyline with Roman Reigns. So he might be part of Roman Reigns' team at Survivor Series, or he won't be on it at all. <laughs> so he's already at that point King of the Ring final to like immediately being a throwaway Survivor Series competitor yeah. shocking yeah <laughs> but like, the tone of your voice kind of exemplified it perfectly like the difference between Shorty G and Riho like they are both smaller wrestlers but the like the sheer golf indifference in the way that they're being presented even though it's still technically the way they are wrestling is emphasising their shortness but it's to to such a different degree. Like one is, uh, yeah, with Rio, yes, she's short, but that just means she changes the way she uses her offense. That doesn't mean she's puny weakling who should not be winning. That that's not the story they're telling. She is no. good enough to win. And right, just, she's good. Yeah. She, she she just has to. She just finds a creative way to do it because she outsmarts her opponents and out wrestles her opponents. Yeah. And Shorty G is an Olympic wrestler. <laughs> he has got the tools. <laughs> but no, he's five foot, I want to say eight. So that's it, he's done. Right off. <laughs> it's, the, uh, I, find it I think the moral of the story that you're telling me here is that I miss American Alpha. Oh, they were brilliant. Uh, sucks <laughs> what happened to Jason Jordan. But yeah, they were bloody brilliant. Those yeah. two. Uh, right, uh, t- speaking of bloody brilliant... Oh, wait, no. Oh. I thought I had an amazing tangent to uh, Sean Spears. <laughs> but I don't, it's the wrong match. Uh, uh. <laughs> the match that actually there, is... Ne- there, there, there is no brilliant transition to Sean Spears. 
was, th- I was thinking, oh, if, if there is a way to transition to that match, this is bloody it. <laughs> but no, it's not even that match. Oh. Uh, it was actually a really fun match we're going to talk about next. The AW World Tag Team Championships Private Party versus the Lucha Bros versus the champion SoCal Uncensored SCU. This was from the very start right until the end. Fast, fast-paced, fast in- incredible spot after incredible spot. Reaching a point where you've got no idea who's legal, but people are doing awesome moves, so I'm in. <laughs> and Ray Phoenix is doing Ray Phoenix things with a ramp. <laughs> as soon as, as Impact viewers, as soon as that ramp appeared, I was like, yes, Ray Phoenix is on this card. We're going to see something awesome. <laughs> and, I, I, lo- uh, I love Ray Phoenix so much. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I know the popular opinion out there is that Pentagon's the better of the two, but to me, it's always been Phoenix. It always will be Phoenix. He's he's just amazing to me. You know, I mean, there there was a time where Rob Van Dam was my favorite professional wrestler on the planet, and to me, um, Ray Phoenix is is the the evolution of Rob Van Dam. I, I love his stuff so damn much, um, and I really want him to be a single a solo performer and not be. Stuck with Pentagon. Again, I know I I know I'm saying it opposite from what from what a lot of people in the world are going to say, including Miz fan. But <laughs> but I I love uh, Phoenix so much, and I and I hate the fact that those guys are a tag team. Almost yeah. as much as I hate the fact that SCU are the tag team champions. <laughs> it's like Miz fan, another lover of the ramp. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just yeah. yeah, old school wrestling fans. It's you can be happy now. You've got your ramp back. Uh, but yeah, um, Ray Phoenix. It's weird to say. It's like I was like, oh, I wish he could get away from Pentagon Junior and actually thrive. And it's like it's weird to say that because they are both so damn good. They are both so amazing that yeah, as a tag team, yeah, they are really really good. But as solo acts, I feel like they are another level. Like they are like main event superstars when they are single wrestlers, and as a tag team, they are just a phenomenal tag team <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> I'm trying to phrase it in a way as like as a tag team they are still absolutely incredible but as single stars yeah I rate them as superstars like as in, as in like mega stars I'm talking right. um, like like Shinsuke Nakamura is a mega star in Japan I'm talking like Pentagon Dunya is that kind... he's got such charisma and all about him he can generally be that and Ray Phoenix he showed it in Lucha Underground he can very easily become that babyface guy that you just root for to fight through and pull off something absolutely incredible. And also, turns out, as we've seen here, he's also great as a heel. And I'd never seen him work heel before. So that was a really nice change of pace. Uh, yeah, he had the best. Have, have, he, was amazing. have you really, though, seen him work heel? Because, oh, if, mm. because if, you're doing that, if you're doing that taunt that the crowd cheers along with you on, can you really be a, a true heel? That's a point. That's the it's it's difficult talking about AW because they do that quite a lot. <laughs> just that you do look at a character and go, oh wait, are they definitely heel? Because the the amount of confusion about MJF, obviously, like people like us who have followed like being the elite for so damn long, like we knew the character like the back of our hand really before AW started. Uh, especially if you watch MJF outside of uh, being the elite, and it's just just watch MJF and his normal role. Like you know that character so damn well. But, yeah, just turn on, just watch, just watch MLW because it's so grand, damn great anyway. <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling to find time. I've not managed to get time for Impact, or I'm struggling with New Japan, which is my number one. That is my main source. <laughs> is New Japan? 
Oh, there's a show, there was a show tonight, and as soon as I saw it, it's like at the same time as AW. Why do you break me so? <laughs> so What's it? Oh, was I? I didn't even know there was a show tonight. Yeah, it's uh, oh. Duty and Thunder Liger's last match in the US. Oh. Yeah. In a yeah. in a throwaway multi-man tag match, but but it's still his last match. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. That's a weird time for them to have the same show on show on the same night as. Uh, yeah. As full, but I'm, assuming, but I'm assuming they already had it planned before Full Gear was even announced. Yeah, because with them being a farm promotion, if I'm right, it takes a lot more time and preparation to do that. Yeah, that's my assumption. But I wouldn't be surprised if AEW are more working off of what WWE have got coming up, so they're trying to avoid them and get out of their momentum and make sure that everyone's focused on AEW when they have a pay per view, which would be smart. Like that, that's what I kind of recommend. So yeah, I suppose got another tangent, but I'll leave it. Uh, what do you make of Private Party? Bubba. I, I, I love Private Party. I actually asked my wife today if she thought I should... Uh, if if he, she thought I could pull off uh, Mark Quinn's hair. <laughs> 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 and she oh, said, yeah. and she said uh, you know, do whatever you want with your hair, but if you, if you wear clothes like he does, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> well, I couldn't pull off that style. <laughs> no, I'm sure I couldn't either, but I love it. I love that orange hair, like in the... Like almost like a dinosaur uh, or mm. dragon, you know, dragon scale back. You know, it's just great. Oh, yeah. the way that it kind of flaps like he's got wings or a tail whenever he flies. It's like, yeah. Oh, it works so well for a high flying wrestler, but as a normal per- person walking down the street, you do look a bit like a knob. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's just so. Much fun. Oh. Uh, I don't care what other people think I look like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm 27. I'm still right in that bracket where. Uh, I care what people think. <laughs> so we'll eventually go away. <laughs> I'm still, still quite young. Yeah. Funny. Oh. Also, it's so late. No, no, I, yeah, yeah, pri- yeah. Private party is a great. It's is great. You know, I, I you know, you, you know, they talked about uh, how. Uh, well, no, I'm not going to say. I'm not going to go that far. But I was going to say they talked about how you know if if. Uh, the Young Bucks are the best tag team in the world, and um, Lucha Underground, you know, the Lucha Brothers are number two. And I was going to say, I like Private Party better than I like the Lucha. Well, no, I do like Private Party better than Lucha Bros. So I wouldn't say they're the top, they're the second best tag team in the world. So, I but yeah, for I mean, me, Private Party still have that new car smell about them, as in everything they do still feels fresh because because yeah. I've not seen it that much. Even though they're inexperienced, they are e- extremely talented. And I think what we've seen from AEW is that. They're not going to get to the point where they're still because they're always going to keep evolving things anyway. I mean, mm. I guess I guess we sh- I guess it's only six weeks in, so I probably shouldn't make those kind of assumptions. But I I do think that like even the young bucks like right now you know they're doing things that, that we've never seen them do before, like like that's like that stuff with Jackson and, or with with Jackson with Matt and his uh, and his uh, Northern Lights stuff. You know, mm. it, it's, it's such a new wrinkle on on what they've done in the past that it's just. It's just amazing to me, you know. Well, I've, um, in past shows, I've compared the uh, private party to the Harlem Globetrotters, just in that sense of their main point isn't just hitting the move or doing the thing; it's to do it with as much flash and style as possible. Indeed. <laughs> just, yeah, and I, I just love that about them, especially as I su- that suddenly clicked that comparison. It's like, oh, if I feel like I get them now. <laughs> it just, it's like the re- they're not the reason for, or it's not just a flip; it's twenty flips, <laughs> or whatever it is. Uh, and 
And of course, just the high-pitched squeal. I was about to try and mimic it, but that's not recommended at 20 past six when people are asleep. <laughs> but it's... <laughs> uh, that's, 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 that's quite... His uh, high-pitched scream is weirdly divisive on Twitter. I'm just like, it's fine. I, I, I didn't think it was something to critique. <laughs> what about then? So, yeah. Um, yeah, I love them. They are, they're just fun. And you can tell by the crowd, whenever their music plays, the crowd are just smiles on their faces. Um, oh, what's the what's the crap WWE line of? Um, they love to have fun. <laughs> it's just that yeah, that that they this is a team that has generally got an aura of fun, and they 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 don't need the commentary to go. They love to have fun because it's written all over the crowd's face. Like the the atmosphere changes when the music hits. So yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah, and, and and also their entrance is just fun too. You know. Um... From a location where you need an invitation, weighing weighing in a total combined weight of twenty four ounces of vodka cranberry. I mean, just 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 their entrance and and just like their look and um, their energy, all of it makes you smile. I, I love it. It's mm. great. Just like that popped my brother because he was literally like a few minutes beforehand telling me about caramel vodka. And then when he heard that announced, <laughs> I was like, oh, this is a real bit interesting. It's like, yes, drunk brother, go to bed. <laughs> it's 3 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I feel like, um, I feel like, you know, private party hits me the way that um, the street profits were supposed to. Mm. You know, street, the street profits don't hit me the way, you know, don't hit me that way. But private party really does. Yeah, I feel like one heart. It, it, the thing that really works for private parties, they're both of the same amount of in, like absolutely insane athleticism and speed. Uh, Street Profits fills more into you've got the slightly bigger guy who can power his way through, and then you've got Montez Ford, who is the guy full of energy. Private parties, like if they were both Montez Ford, which is yeah. a bit mental thinking about it, but uh, that's, yeah, that's the kind of amount of energy that private parties bring. That's more what they're like. And I, yeah, can't rate them. And for especially for a team so inexperienced to already be at this level and to be uh, having such great matches, uh, yeah, it's great. For me, uh, moving on to the champions, SCU, for me, okay. they are the... Okay. I, I kind of rate them as not the team I'm super invested in. Like, I have fun doing the SCU stuff. It's... It's not on my nerves or anything. I, I like doing the SCU because I'm quite childish. I'm fine with that. Um, but also, if I see them as the experienced veteran tag team, which they are, especially if you're showcasing younger, more inexperienced teams, like, yeah, perfectly fine with putting the younger guys with the solid veterans and just kind of have those two working. Like, it pretty much guarantees you've got a veteran tag team in a tag team championship match, like, every single time. Where for me, there's nothing wrong with that, and they're solid. Like they're extremely solid. Like Frankie Kazarian, he's been solid for what, what 15 years now. <laughs> he's been of such a just standard solid level. Like he's the guy you send out in the middle of the show, and he'll do a bang up job for that exact spot. And there's, you, there's you, know, like, yeah. you know, it's it's funny you say that because. If it if if it wasn't SCU, but it was the addiction that were the tag team champions, I'd be totally mm. fine with it. But I just I hate <laughs> I, I just I just I just have never gotten the SCU gimmick. I've never got, I don't get Scorpio Sky. I don't see him as the 
town with everybody else using Maz. So if it was Daniels and Kazarian, and they were about to be the Addiction, or um, what were they before that? I'm trying to think. Um, bad influence. You know, I'd be totally oh, yes, fine yes. with it. But, but I mean, it's I I don't like the SCU gimmick. I'm not a fan of Scorpio Sky, and it's just like I feel like there's so many better tag teams out there, even in even in you know right in. Um, AEW, I mean, the Bucks are better, PNP mm-hmm. is better, the Witcher Brothers are better, um, I enjoy um, Private Party more, and, you know, the Best Friends I enjoy more, so I mean, it, to me it's like, maybe the 6th or 7th best team in the division are the Tag Team Champions, and it drives me nuts. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been, uh, I've, I've kind of with you, when I... With uh, Kazarian and Daniels, I became massive fans when they were bad influence. Like the god awful AJ Styles cheating on somebody. Can't remember her name. Like that storyline was god awful, but it gave us bad influence, and therefore it was hundred percent. I am thankful it, it exists because <laughs> Kazarian and Daniels are amazing together. Uh, there's a reason they've stayed together ever since. It's been like a decade now yeah. <laughs> since that mental storyline. Uh, Scorpio Sky, I. I Agreed to an extent that they, he's rated extremely highly by quite a few people. For me, I've never seen him greater than really good in a tag match. And it's that was like with um, I've tried to think, I've tried to find a good comparison, but can't really find it. Somebody, there are those wrestlers who are really, really good in those tag scene matches, and the way that they turn on their explosive side of their wrestling to start amping the crowd up. Scorpius guy works really, really well in a tag team match. Whenever I've seen him wrestle singles, I've kind of struggled, which is uh, my little worry because it feels like uh, with the way SEU has always been built, is it feels like this was more uh, fact, like Daniel. The three people who really get along, like in real life, uh, but Daniel and Kazarian are on the older side, and Scorpius. This is a kind of vehicle that will, in theory, get Scorpius guy over in the long term, which it probably has done, just maybe not with us. <laughs> just that like, I do. Fear that once SEU does come to an end, that Scorpio Sky might be a little bit exposed. But he's like obviously not everybody thinks that way because he is really highly rated by quite a lot of people for a reason, I believe. Even if I, like, I'm not going to enjoy every single wrestler. That's just not how it's going to work. Maybe Scorpio Sky is just that guy for me. But I do really like him in a tag tag team. I feel like it really really works his style where he'll. You'll have a moment of explosiveness, and it works really well in a tag match, but I feel like it's not quite right for a singles kind of post-SCU run. Which That's my only fear, really, with SCU, is it feels like it's a vehicle to get Scorpio Sky over long-term, um, and I feel like it will work, and it's only a fear because I, I'm not quite buying it. Whilst... I'm trying to explain it. <laughs> I'm no, not buying no, that's, it, even though... No, no, no that's, an, that's an absolutely fantastic... Um, analysis of the situation. I, I feel exactly the same way. Oh, um, the only, but the only thing I would say is that he's not that much younger than, than Frankie Kazarian. He's, like, <laughs> he's like he's like thirty five, thirty six years old. I'm pretty sure. Oh. So I mean, it's like it's like it's like <laughs> there's so many other young guys in the promotion that should be getting that should be getting the look rather than Scorpio Sky. You know, he could be the guy who gets those Daniel spots, which Daniel's had for quite a while, where he's the respected veteran that doesn't actually win any world titles or anything, and. Maybe he gets a match, but really he's just in the mid card still for most of his career. That's, yeah, yeah. Like, I'd have no issue with that because it feels like they're 
there is a need for a mid-card title in AEW, especially as things are slowly falling into place. And I'm perfectly fine to nominate Scorpio Sky as a mid-card guy. For me personally, I've already thought about this. <laughs> like, who would be my first mid-card kind of championship and scene? Um, if you're going for a hit, oh, I don't know. Ray Phoenix, for me, is the perfect guy to kind of put in there where you've got your main event guys. They're probably going to put Pentagon Jr. If Lucha Bros split, Pentagon's going to the main event immediately. But for me, Ray yeah, Phoenix ridiculous. as a mid-card champion, like that intercontinental kind of role, he would absolutely nail that. It's just, I'd yeah. eat that up. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think Ray Phoenix on the babyface side and MJF on the heel side. Oh, yes. <laughs> just... Uh, I I rate MJF so much. <laughs> He's so damn good. Uh, meanwhile, meanwhile, we can have Sean Spears take on Scorpio Sky for the title of most bland wrestler in the in the promotion. <laughs> uh, speaking of really good guys, <laughs> 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 I found a way to transition to it. Uh, Sean Spears with Tully Blanchard versus Joey Janela. So this is prime drunk brother for me. Uh, so I didn't see a lot of it but he somehow spotted something I didn't so when uh, Sean Spears tied Joe Janela's hair to the tag rope some people on Twitter were just like oh yeah why don't other people just do that with long hair wrestlers <laughs> it's, it's one of those things yeah. that just ex- exposes it and go oh yeah why don't you do that but he tied his hair to the tag rope and then he kind of pulled himself free of it. And my brother noticed that in uh, for the rest of the match, in the tag rope, was some of Joe Janela's hair. Like, he didn't get out scot-free. There was oh, just, okay. sort of just dangling there for the for the whole match. Apparently there was a shot as well where Janela was doing a clothesline or something, or charging for something, and it's kind of like in the bottom corner of it, you could see the tag rope, and in it was his hair, and then he was going to charge for something. So, good production and camera work. So, well done. EW for that uh, match as a whole though this was the as, as we said earlier for me this felt very very pre-show and I would have rated it easily as my least favourite match of the night and it would have made sense for me to the match we've actually built story to and Britt Baker B Priestley put that on the main card uh, Spears Janella wasn't really much angst going into it and coming out of it the crowd kind of lost a bit of momentum so I think there's quite a lot of people in your boat where AEW trying to make Sean Spears happen and the immediate reaction is, stop trying to make Sean Spears happen. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. <laughs> I get that vibe. Like Every single time there's a Sean Spears yeah. match, that is the yeah, vibe Sean, Sean, I get. Sean, Spe- Sean Spears is the fetch of AEW. <laughs> <laughs> like he's... Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you don't get that joke, but it's it's like from Mean Girls. Like one of the one of the Mean Girls was trying to make was trying to use the word fetch like to be cool or fresh, and and one of, and the other Mean Girl, like the head Mean Girl, said, "Stop, try, stop with fetch. It ain't gonna happen." So. <laughs> like with um, oh, when Gorilla Monsoon was like doing his best to get over. Oh, it's a happening here in wherever it was. It was like stop trying to. Eat. You can say it's a happening, but I don't think it's going to get over, Gorilla. No one's yeah. going to be walking around going, it's a happening. <laughs> of course it's a happening. Everything is a happening. <laughs> I love how over it's gotten like long-term with wrestling fans. <laughs> Just like, it's a happening here in the Wells Fargo Centre. Uh, like, <laughs> like, it didn't work, but we remember it fondly. <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, for me, I'm fine with Sean Spears, but he does have a ceiling. So I don't know if their idea is to try and slowly build him back up to where he was before the Cody loss, where 
he felt like he's like perhaps being built as a big deal. Like I really, really liked the way he was used at uh, Fight for the Fallen when he was he had an upcoming match with Cody. It was just after he'd hit Cody with the chair over the head, so he was getting quite a strong reaction. And they yeah. put him in a tag team match where he was teaming with MJF. Easily my favourite Sean Spears and, moment. <laughs> and Sammy Guevara. Yeah, and Sammy... Oh, of course, the pre-Spanish god, <laughs> Sammy Guevara. Yeah. Oh, he was just, just a flippy guy who was a bit of a dick. <laughs> but he wasn't full-blown Spanish god yet. Uh, but yeah, I really, really like that dynamic, uh, especially with MJF. But since then, he's not really... Since losing to Cody, he's not really done anything. It's like they've known that his momentum has been massively damaged. And that's... Uh, he's slowly being... He's being used a bit more now. But that momentum definitely is not there. Losing to Cody definitely made him feel like lesser of a deal. And now it feels like at the moment, he would be a guy I'd nominate to... Like, if you're having a mid-card title, I'd put him in that scene... Obviously, I've already said Ray Phoenix to be my champion, MJF the definite number two contender, but Sean Spears, for me, he feels like he's probably going to get stuck in that mid-card uh, and he's going to struggle to get out. But probably see, because the and, response isn't there. Yeah, see, and, and if that's where he is, then I'd be fine with him. And I, and I, and I was fine with him where he was on, um, on this last week's AEW Dynamite when he was against Brandon Cutler. And... And I really am fine with him having a match against Joey Janela too. I just I just don't understand why why he's the one getting all the pay per view spots. And you know when really to me Jimmy Havoc would or and Darby Allen would have been a, would have been a better you know mm. better people to be on the card versus instead of instead of Spears. That that was my that was that's all I was saying is is like Spear. I I feel you said that he has a ceiling and I, and I feel like. He started at his ceiling when he was against Cody <laughs> at All Out. So now he's now was like nowhere for him to go but down because his first two singles matches in the promotion were against Cody and against John Moxley. So <laughs> it's like he started off against two of the hottest, two of the top guys in the company. Yeah. He has nowhere to go but down. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and they can slowly build him up, but yeah, it felt felt like he's had his ceiling established. And I don't know if they've got anything in plans to, for him to break, break through. The fact that Tully Blanchard is still with him makes me think there's still a plan for something. Don't know mm-hmm. when, don't know what. But, yeah. It was nice to see Tully hitting a... Uh, I think we'll call it the Tully Stone pile driver on Twitter. <laughs> Obviously, because he just didn't... He didn't do much at all. <laughs> it was quite funny... Uh, where he just uh, jumped off the steel steps and helped with the tombstone power driver on the outside that led to the finish. Now, nothing wrong with the match per se, but it felt very pre-show just on the main card and that didn't help with momentum given that everything else around it built really, really well and was at such a high pace. This one kind of stood out for bad reasons in a way. So Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, next... I mean, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't a bad match, it was just a match that was there. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good way of summing it up, actually. Uh, speaking of a match that was there, um, these transitions are getting worse as I'm getting closer to 7am. <laughs> but putting in some effort. <laughs> uh, Pack versus Hangman. Uh, the bas- uh, major positive was uh, a British phrase accidentally getting used with Excalibur exclaiming, uh, the, uh, he decked the bastard. 
which is a very British phrase. <laughs> it just yeah, it's like, yeah. Oh, Hangman just decked the bastard. <laughs> it was like he didn't mean to say it like that, but it's a very British phrase. And thumbs up for me hearing that from an American commentator <laughs> on television. Like not the phrase I thought I'd ever thought I'd hear, and I'm just thankful I did. Uh, match itself, this... another solid bout between Pack and Hangman. Yeah, this was uh, this was the match I was looking forward to the most coming in, and it delivered for me. It just it just wasn't as good, obviously, as the main, as the main event was. Um, I think I still think it was the second best match on the show, though. Um, mm. And I thought it was I thought it was great. I thought, you know, we talked about the counters in the women's title match. I thought the counters in this one were solid as well. They just weren't as fast, but there were some really great spots where counters happened that you weren't expecting. Mm. Um, you know, I, I loved that that. Page was the first guy to really be able to, to get out of the of the brutalizer, um, and you know I thought I thought that you know they they've been um, selling for so for the like the last couple of weeks that Page was was going to the buckshot lariat as his finisher now, and so it was it was a nice change of pace that he missed the buckshot but he was still able to win with a dead eye in the middle of the ring, you know so I mean I, I really and and I love the callback where. Um, Pack tried to do the same thing to Page that he did on the TV episode with the low blow, and Pack and uh, Page caught it, you know, turned it into the uh, a dead eye attempt, and went to, then went to the brutalizer. You know, I mean, I thought there was just so many great you know counters and callbacks in this one, and I I just really enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah, I will just say. Apologies if you can hear a noise. It's now gotten so late slash early in the morning that my heating's coming on. <laughs> so you're gonna be able to just hear the whole things whirring and making noise in the background. So, yes, <laughs> it's November. We've got the heating on now. Uh, so yeah, uh, but yeah, um, for me, it's just a really, really solid second match of the night, which didn't blow me away, but was also really, really good at the same time as well. I was generally shocked by Hangman's win, just because I. Like for me, as I said earlier, like I was picturing Pack as one of those potential next world title contenders, be it just on television or whatever. Uh, but the fact he lost obviously completely outrights that. Just because how strongly Pack had been built till that point, like Hangman getting a win over him is actually pretty momentous for Hangman, who had been on a kind of curve down and slightly struggling himself. With even though he was having good performances, he wasn't winning. Uh, whilst Pack was doing that and winning. So uh, I, I just assumed he was going to, uh, but no. Uh, Hangman winning was a genuine surprise, uh, even though it was a very even match as well. Like uh, it, it was never just Pack definitely on top and Hangman fighting from like trying to get back into the match. It's like no, they both had swings of momentum, and that was kind of like what led into the end as well. If I'm right, like Pack uh, Hangman was first on top in that sequence. It wasn't a Hangman fighting back, hitting his five moves of doom or anything. So like, no, it was, right even throughout the entire match and arguably it was kind of like Omega where Pac was his own defeat in a way, going for one too many moves that he just flat out missed like he went for the Black Arrow, I think he's called the Black Arrow now, that he's a baddie uh, yeah he, he missed that as well after also missing a Phoenix Flash as well early in the match and that's kind of what cost him in the end, uh, Hangman was able to just roll out the way whatever, it's, it's the Zack Sabre Jr. quote like if he's up, if Kotobushi is up on a barricade, he's going to muso on you. Just move, <laughs> just move out of the way. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, you know, my my favorite uh, 
WrestleMania main event ever was WrestleMania 24, where it was it was Undertaker against against Edge, and and my and the reason it's my favorite is it's such a great counter wrestling match. Mm. Like like every like every time Taker goes to do something, Edge counters it, but then the match ends where Edge hits the spear, and this time it's Taker countering it into the uh, Hell's Gate or Devil's Triangle. I can't remember which one he was calling it at the time, but you know, Edge and Edge has to end up tapping out even though he hits his finisher. It looks like he's about to win. You know, that's this. That's what this match reminded me of. Like, like, guy, they were countering each other all over the place in this one, and I just and I just love those kind of matches where, like, like it's, you know, whichever guy is able to out wrestle the other guy at the end is the guy that's going to win, and that's then that's what Paige is able to do here at the end. So yeah, it's, it's simplified it down. Like I've obviously I've taken into account everything going on around it and what led into it, but. Yeah, in the actual match itself, they slim- simplified it right down, and that's kind of what I really, really liked about it. So yeah, thumbs yeah. up all around. Brilliant. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, my se- my second best match of the night. So right. So this is a match of two parts. It's the white hot opener of uh, Sammy. Uh, not Sammy. He came in afterwards of Santana and Ortiz, or the Pride and Powerful versus the Young Bucks. A, a white hot opener with a moment after the match that sent the crowd into like an awesome frenzy of, oh my god, this is fantastic. <laughs> they absolutely loved it. Uh, with uh, the Rock and Roll Express joining the brawl to fight off uh, the victors of the inner circle with uh, one of them? Uh, Ricky Morton, that's it, yeah. With Ricky Morton hitting a uh, Canadian destroyer and then doing a tope suicida <laughs> through the ropes. The crowd going crazy. as. uh Again, uh, he was on. Uh, the, sorry, the Rock and Roll Express were on the GCW shows, and everybody went crazy when they started hitting destroyers and things. <laughs> it's because right. like you're in your late sixties. Like, well, how are you able to do this? <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was. It's awesome to see it then and now. For me, the awesome part was seeing how the crowd reacted to it. Just that, uh, like, they were absolutely shocked that these much much older wrestlers. Who should have no right doing these moves with like yeah doing suicide dives and destroyers, uh, yeah the crowd went crazy for it and popped like mad. So that was a great yeah. visual scene. And 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 and, and 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 as usual, Robert Gibson was just standing there looking like a dummy while Morton did everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really because he remind in terms of like the way that he just stand the way that he stands the way that his kind of presence is he reminds me so much of Nick Jackson. It's gonna, I look at him and go, oh, that's going to be Nick Jackson in so many years' time. Uh, especially as Nick Jackson is the risk taker now, so li- likely when he reaches that age, he might not be able to. Yeah, <laughs> that's like true. That. Uh, it's just, it's it's like a glimpse into the future for Nick Jackson. Yeah, the way I've always seen the Bucks is like, Jackson's like the athletic, you know, flying guy, and Matt's the one that actually is like the glue that holds the team together. Mm. <laughs> yeah, he's the brains behind the operation. Yes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but for yeah, for the match itself was a nice hot opener. It was another one where it didn't blow me away, and maybe it was one of those that the crowd would have liked it to continue a little bit longer. But it was totally solid, and I was into everything that was happening. And it's one of those where it did end of just like, oh, that was the ending. Oh, uh, I mean, I didn't, I didn't not enjoy it. <laughs> Definitely did enjoy it. Uh, but what happened afterwards, obviously, just. The whole crowd was immediately lifted anyway, so perfectly fine with it, I guess. So yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think it was meant to blow us away. I think it was just meant mm. to get the show started on on the started off on the right foot. 
Because yeah, um, you don't because you don't want to blow you don't want to have a, the opening match like blow away everything else that's coming later on in the card. Um, but I think it's I think you know at some point we'll get like a more main event style match between these two teams, and then we can be blown away at that point. Maybe they'll facing you know wrestling for the for the championships or some kind of a gimmick match or something. But but yeah, I think I think this one was just meant to be to get the show on the right foot and also to get the you know the um, Matt and Nick so that they're like it, like we talked about earlier, that they're they're on the down foot again, so they have to build themselves back up. Yeah, and that, that, I mean, they, I mean, they, I mean, they, they've lost like all their big matches now in AEW. Yeah, they have. Yeah, every single one, which is yeah. <laughs> it's all, yeah, all part of that breaking them down so that you can build them back up at some point. And yeah, right. yeah. as we we're saying when we started this show, uh, actually, I was about to tie it up. But we've not talked about... Do you want to talk about B. Priestley versus Britt Baker before I do my tie-up? Yeah, probably. I mean, yeah. I, I... I mean, there wasn't really a lot to talk about. And it was it was good. It was decent. And I thought... I think Britt's getting better and better as a performer. Hmm. But, I mean, there, there really wasn't, I thought, a lot to... to that... Um, to that match. It, it wasn't very long, first of all. Um, secondly, like you said, it should have been on the main card, and it wasn't. Um... But yeah, I mean, I mean, Baker, I think is looking a lot better than she was be- than she did before, um, and then you know the stuff at the end with Brandy and Awesome Kong was great as well. Yeah, that, yeah, I, 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 really, I really liked the, I really liked the, the Brandy Rhodes like uh, modification of her character that's happened the last three weeks or so. Hmm. Um, some, somebody did tweet out when Joe Janela got his hair ties like, "Quick, Brandy, come out! You're the only in character in world character that can cut hair." <laughs> Quick, <laughs> so Joey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but well played. <laughs> well, I really like the um, Kong's character. Feels like a mix between the voodoo uh, kind of karma character from WWE and the destruction of Kong from TNA. It's like a somewhere in between the two because it's, it's obviously very, very voodoo. This character, right. whatever it is, whatever it's going to be, and uh, I'm assuming Brandy adds to that. Uh, someone made a point of her doing this character and then her walking out with Cody would be quite a contrast, but luckily Cody's been doing stuff with MJF and Dustin and DDP or whatever, so she can not do that and just uh, be the uh, manager for Awesome Kong and go to this weird voodoo world with magic and whatever. I'm interested right. to see how that kind of character works in AW's world. Cause of course, like Dark Order hasn't really gone over that well, uh, even though they're really good wrestlers. That the actual gimmicks just not really worked. So I'm interested to see if this also kind of supernaturally voodoo kind of character, if this works as well. It might do just because of how great Awesome Kong is and then how great Brandy is at the manager type of uh, style as well. I think it'll work. I, 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 I think it will. I think Dark Order didn't work because the kind of gimmick they're doing there, they haven't gone, they had to go farther with it than they have. Hmm. You know, it's just, you know, they, it hasn't, it's, it's really been more like, creepy crawly than it has been scary and I think it should have been scary hmm. oh that's a show yeah whilst this dives more into the what's going on with you Brandy kind of uh, questions as well as it's making you want answers to questions which the Dark Order never really did right. that, the reaction to that was just oh that's a bit weird well if Brandy you are at least intrigued to a point of oh what's going on here and it that's definitely helped by the fact that it is Kong who is such a respected wrestler that yeah indeed yeah 
I, I thought it was a weird choice for her, them to for them to attack the Priestley, since Priestley's like you know the heel of the two versus you know with between her and Britt. But um, but but you know it's it's another way that AEW's been you know great in, in the fact that they don't mind having you know um, well-rounded characters rather than guys, people that are just like face and heel. You know, like mm. like like Kenny Omega, like he's he's kind of fluctuated it. He and Moxie kind of fluctuated in this in this battle between them as to which one was the more heelish between the two of them, you know. Yeah, um, really just for an like example. Mm. Yeah, uh, yes, definitely, really, really a fan of that sort of thing, and uh, really just to bring this show to a close and like the final thoughts on the show, Full Gear. Uh, it was just a another solid AW show, and it was another one that every single match was different as well so they're once again bringing that variety but I've seen uh, a couple of complaints calling that type of thing schizophrenic for me that's a variety show like every single match is different but not one could not not one of them gels together or feels the same and like I couldn't be more of a fan than that uh, especially if I like, look at the two main event matches or the main event and the not main event uh, you had your massive Bells and Whistles uh, character kind of wrestling match with Cody versus uh, Jericho, your old school 80s okay, lots of uh, older tropes brought back once again by Cody then you've got your hardcore brawl type of thing and it's just like yeah, those two matches couldn't be any different yet I enjoyed them both and that is, I, I love that about AEW there's such variety across the, and especially their pay-per-views there's such variety across their pay-per-views not one, not one match is the same, and I can't even say that about NXT. Like on a, on NXT, there are a few matches who that are, technically they are similar in terms of their actual like type of wrestling they're presenting. Whilst compared to AW, that even that isn't the same from match to match. Never mind the actual format of the thing. So right, yeah, absolutely, totally agree with that. Uh, plus NXT, plus NXT is too polished, and it makes it makes it feel like it's choreographed. Yeah, that's the same anyway. issue with WWE, really. That. Just the uh, the Hollywood style of gloss that takes away all kind of grit that's there, and uh, I like wrestling having a bit of grit. And Me too. That, yeah, so I really, really like and, that. And I, and I think you know, especially when you when you talk about Pack versus Hangman, and you talk about um, the women's match and the and the main event, and then the then the uh, unsanctioned fight. I mean, all of those had a lot of grit to them. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Nothing was more gritty than the main event, although Grit's kind of still underselling it. <laughs> it doesn't what it was. <laughs> Absolutely. So, another solid show from a uh, pay-per-view from AEW, even though it's there's only been five shows, but we're already struggling because three of them begin with the letter F, and that's enough. <laughs> that's enough to confuse us. <laughs> so They do, I've, that's very true, yeah. Yeah, so from... From Fight to Fest to Fight for the Fallen to Full Gear. Hopefully next time it begins with a different letter so my brain can figure it out easier. Oh, I'm simple like that. That gets me. Right. No, the, ne- no, the next one's going to be called Friend and, Friend and Foes. Friend and Foes? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, if, they, if, they go, if they stick with it as a joke, <laughs> that would just would cause confusion with Imp. <laughs> I'll be too far gone. <laughs> oh, right, so it is about yeah, yeah, and yeah, because their March one's going to be called Flying Trapeze. <laughs> 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 oh, 
No, it, it was yeah. a solid. It was a solid show with some with some great mm. stuff in it. So, <laughs> if you get a chance to watch and you haven't yet, definitely take it, definitely check it out. And as it's reaching about seven a.m. for me, uh, yes, my eyes are very very blurry. You can hear my throat going as well. So, I'm going to go to bed and miss Sunday. I'm just going to. I'm giving myself one job to maybe watch the New Japan show that aired, so I'll be like in a zombie state for the entire day. So Sunday's a write off. Enjoy your Sundays, everybody, because I won't be seeing mine. <laughs> yeah, and and Jeff, Jeff and I'll be with you on Monday for Kingdom of Honor, um, and then we'll be back with you on Wednesday for Dynamite After Dark, right uh, after Dynamite goes off the air. So. And I myself will be going live on Thursday uh, on NFP Radio and both YouTube, like this show did here. Uh, I am joined by Jeremy Donovan of the Keeping It Strong Style podcast, and we're going to be talking about New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the show that I've just talked about that I'm going to watch. <laughs> I need to have watched it by Thursday. So I'm going nice. to uh, talk about that on the show and kind of what's happening with Wrestle Kingdom with somebody who's actually keeping up with it because he does a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast every single week. So, yeah, that'll help. I, cause I'm, I'm struggling to keep up with everything. So that'll be a nice catch-up for me as well. Yeah, I'll have to listen to that so I can get caught up myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much why I've listened to their show like most weeks. <laughs> just because like, if I, I'm struggling to find time to definitely keep up with everything. So I'll just listen to a podcast. <laughs> That'll blast through everything and, for me. And, you know, and you, know, I th- I th- you know, I talked about this briefly, but I think the current plan, uh, or at least you know, one thing that we're kicking around, just so all our listeners know, is doing both on the 4th and the 5th, like doing back, like doing... Um, Right after it, Wrestle, each Wrestle Kingdom show, doing it a three-way weave with me, Jeff, and and M talking about or an aftershock right after the Wrestle Kingdom goes off the air. So, yeah, so a double day, double day duty of doing a Wrestle Kingdom coverage uh, on Lords of Pain Radio, like a proper show just like this, where we talk about everything that happened. And if you've ever listened to any of our past, because uh, we've done this before, the Wrestle Kingdom coverage thing, uh, but you said the first time we ever did a show together might have been. That I'm, oh, I've become less, <laughs> less. Uh, I, so, sorry that that's true, <laughs> but we've definitely done. I think it was. I think I, it was either Wrestle Kingdom or Dominion. I can't remember which one it was. It's it was one, one of the two big ones, though. Yeah. So, but yeah, well, we went almost three hours, I think. <laughs> so to do yes. that two days in a row, maybe we will tempt ourselves on the first one. <laughs> but because uh, yeah. yeah, it'll be it'll be late I, for you, it'll, it'll be fine for me. the reverse of today's uh, show. Yeah, I'll, I'll just I'll just have some adrenaline handy so I can just slab it right into my heart if I'm <laughs> about to pass out on the second day. <laughs> uh, I've uh, I generally had because again it's uh, so it's gone into morning now. Uh, someone did come down and I just made them refill my glass for me. <laughs> so, oh, so how kind nice. of them! <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the damn Implicat. You can follow Jan on even it's not on as much, but you can follow Jan on Twitter at at ZanmanLOP. And uh, if you got anything you want to plug for uh, Kingdom of Honor and uh, the stuff you're doing with Jeff, uh, Kingdom of Honor will be um, we'll be talking probably more about this show. I'm, I'm guessing and probably NWA Power, maybe some MLW. Um, we also have our Patreon site, Kingdom of Honor. Or so patreon.com slash kingdom of honor where we where we have our, our Je- we're currently covering Jessica Jones and the old ECW pay-per-views and then of course on Dynamite After Dark we'll be talking about Dynamite right after it goes off the air this coming Wednesday we do it every Wednesday on LLP Radio 
And I've, I've already plugged my stuff. Uh, my column went up earlier today if you want to go check that out. That's mostly the reason I'm so tired. It's because I've been, I, again, woke up at 8am and it's now 7. So 23 hours. Well done me. <laughs> well done me. Uh, yeah, so that column went up earlier today if you want to go uh, look at that. And I put the full gear logo on John Motsy's head so that he's a full gear head. And I didn't write that. I didn't write that down. It's just a visual pun that no one will get. <laughs> so I want people to listen to this show. <laughs> so I was happy Funny. with it. Uh, anyway, uh, with that, uh, I, I I take the praise. <laughs> yeah. uh, with that, uh, I am now ready to bid adieu. Uh, another solid AW show. Uh, I think we've enjoyed every single one so far. So it's such a great streak to be on at this point. And. Um, and we'll be back for whenever whenever AW's next show is we will be back and uh, I think the next show we'll be doing together will be the Wrestlecom shows in January as well that's not that far away at the moment so it's nearly Christmas everyone get excited (laughs) (laughs) indeed Uh, it's Christmas shopping time for me yeah Mm. yeah that's all I've got so you we'll try to do better next time and Oh, it's turned into a perfect mashup of the way we end each end our own shows. <laughs> and uh, with that, I bid you adieu. Adios. Goodbye. Ma. And good night. Bang. <laughs> uh, that's a little bonus for the podcast listeners because I can't close everything at once. <laughs> I'm not mental like that. <laughs> oh. Uh, goodbye, podcast listeners. This has been your bonus 20 seconds. <laughs> Enjoy it. <laughs>